If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, my friends, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. You want to watch the program live or on demand? See that, yes, I do, in fact, have a face for radio. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Hour two, incidentally of the program will be on YouTube as well. So I want to talk about lawlessness today. I want to talk about um, where we are culturally, the culture war, um, a little bit about cancel culture as well. And make no mistake, we are here at this particular point because of a cultural battle. Politics follows culture. Culture, while it, I suppose, can be shaped by politics, and you see this. See, culture shapes, excuse me, politics shapes culture typically when you find governments or, um, you know, I'm sorry, I'm watching uh, exactly what I'm talking about happening behind here as an officer is placed in a headlock. I don't know if there's laws against this in New York City. Suspects can put officers in headlocks, but officers can't put suspects who are fighting with them in any sort of of headlock. As as one who's uh, practiced Brazilian jiu-jitsu, there's obviously safe ways to deal with some of this stuff. But anyway... Get distracted by this nonsense happening behind me, and this stuff is a this a, a applauded and praised, but it's lawlessness, and the culture drives our politics. The, our culture primarily drives our politics. When politics drives culture, it's usually when, say, the court, for example, Supreme Court or some other court, decides to mandate something, decides to, um you know, take away people's liberties and force people to behave a certain way. But really, the vast majority of the changes we see happening in this country are driven first and foremost by by culture. You can say, and by our culture, I include, there's a lot of things in this. There's um, there's the, the culture that, um, there, there's the, the belief that, um, you know, we're all responsible for, Everyone else, but no one's responsible for himself. You get this cancel culture, this subculture almost out there that exists in this great nation. We've got all sorts of 
I mean, immoralities that are embraced by parts of our culture. Now, when I say culture, I don't mean, you know, necessarily the culture in your home or even your community, but you know what I mean on a on a larger scale here. And so we've got AOC, for example, good old AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, saying that the surge in New York crime, which has been a surge in New York crime, is due to unemployment and residents who, quote, need to shoplift some bread. Now, I'm not going to suggest that no crime that exists in New York City is because people are not struggling financially, but I am going to tell you outright, without any hesitation, question whatsoever on my behalf, that the reason we see an uptick, an uptick in crime, is because a lot of crime is now being justified by people on the radical left, by people in positions of political power. It's being justified. And we've seen cities, parts of cities burned down, destroyed, businesses looted. We don't ever hear anything about this. In fact, these folks are often, um, I don't want to say held up as heroes, but in some circles, I have no doubt that that is the case. But they are, they're not held accountable for their actions. There is a, a, a general um, support for lawlessness. Absolute lawlessness is what, is, is what we're dealing with. Conversely, at, at the same time, we're also – it's just fascinating to me to watch this almost two-headed monster come in. The, the, the parts of society that are clearly um, you know, being <laughs> – being taken over and being, I don't know, the, the things that are clearly right being denied or rejected or abandoned. At the same time, we have this sort of stuff going on. For example, if you're committing a, cl- a crime, newsflash to the radical left in America, it, it doesn't matter what race you are. If you're committing a crime, you should be held, you should be held responsible for your actions, even if even if you are black or a minority, white, it makes no difference. But yet we've gotten to the point to where in order to to justify or to, I guess, atone for the past racial sins in this of this great nation, we've almost convinced ourselves in some circles, again, this is not you. This is these are the radicals. These are the folks who are not well informed. These are the folks who are hypnotized, so to speak, by the the rhetoric and the narrative of the day. But folks are essentially put to the point where they're, some are choosing to believe that certain crimes are justified because of past systematic injustices that have been levied upon them, a group of people, by our our government. Even if it goes back... I'm, you know, some of this stuff hasn't slavery's, you know, not been in existence for um, a hundred and what is it, a hundred and forty plus years. So, the reason for lawlessness, the reason for upticks in crime in places like New York City, the reason we're seeing more attacks and ambushes, as we've seen ambushes on police officers and two uh, officers killed in McAllen, Texas, recently ambushed. I've had officers here talk to me about what's happening with 
some of the new techniques that are being used, that are being these radicals, these lawless folks are being trained for no matter where they are, small towns and cities all around this country. They're being trained to do things, and this is a genuine concern, these ambush attacks on law enforcement officers. We don't hear much about this in the media because that doesn't fit the narrative because the narrative is in the media that police are the problem. And I'm not saying individual police officers are not the problem. I'm not saying that there's never an instance where authority is not abused. I'm not saying that there's never an instance where an officer does not need to be arrested and charged and tried and convicted and spend time in jail, of course. You know, these things are so blatantly simple and obvious to me. You have good people and bad people in virtually any group, however you want to break these down. Now, I say virtually any group because there are ideologies that are in and of themselves wicked and evil. For example, the ideology that is often embraced by the radical left is wicked and evil and void of uh, any <clears throat> any real morality. And so we are at this point in our culture where in our society where our, we have this this culture war. We have this movement towards lawlessness at the, at the same time we have people that want to see the state given more power and authority. And you hear some of these arguments about a nationwide, you know, mask order and that sort of thing. So they want to, uh, they, they want at the same time to watch complete, complete lawlessness in some instances. They they defend it. They ignore it if they have to report on. They don't have to report on it. They completely ignore it. They minimize it. They just gloss over it. They don't talk about these ambush attacks. They don't talk about uh, the, the the root cause of these problems. And it's not as AOC. I'm going to play the soundbite from her. Not as AOC says here, because some folks need to shoplift some bread. I mean, maybe here and there, but the the larger root cause is a lawlessness that's been embraced, and it's been embraced primarily by the radical left. They're telling people to hate law enforcement. They're telling people to blame law enforcement. They're justifying the behaviors of those who take to the streets, not to protest. Again, they want to confuse and conflate the the, the issue. They want you to think if you're against someone burning a building down, that you're against someone protesting. What In what universe is that the way that that works? Peaceable protest, having someone go out and express their feelings, concerns, air their grievances to the to the government, letting people know what they believe is happening and the problems that exist in our culture, civilization, society, those things are totally fine. That's not what the problem is with. That's not where the lawlessness comes from. The lawlessness comes from those who either want to use a protest as an excuse or as a prerequisite for a riot, or it's those who want to co-opt those who genuinely just want to protest and they want to use it to instill fear. May I say, uh, act as, as terrorists? Look, terrorism is trying to use the issue of terror and fear to create the political outcome that you want. And that's what we're seeing in places. Domestic terrorism from some of these groups. You look at places like Portland, Portland, Oregon. I mean, I've seen video. You've probably seen video from Portland, Oregon as well. I mean, we have complete and utter chaos, lawlessness, and madness. 
And yeah, you could say that the places that have complete lawlessness and, and, and utter madness are cities that are run by leftists, and that's largely true. It's more it's more complicated than that, but it's certainly it's certainly a factor in the sense that those in positions of power who refuse to do what's logical, they refuse to access their common sense, they refuse to demand that order be maintained in their city. In fact, I was reading a, a comment, an email that I had gotten some time ago, and I saw that uh, this individual who was a, a liberal said that it terrifies her to hear Trump talk about the issues of law and order. Terrifies her. So she's more terrified. I look, I'm a guy that I understand, have an appreciation for history, human nature, specifically American history, and of course, the history of what, what government is, what we've learned about the best way for governments to operate, what they do if left to their own devices, the nature of those in positions of power. I get that, and we should be skeptical of that always. I don't care who is our uh, who our government officials are. We should always be hesitant. We should always be uh, a little bit critical of what's happening because governments – use power in ways that they should not be using power. This is an un, uh, an undeniable truth of history. I think if people understood this, they would move 20%, even if they're a radical leftist, they would move 20% closer to the Constitution because this is critically important. This has happened throughout history. When governments give people power, people abuse that power. It's, it is just human nature. This is the way that it is. It's undeniable. And so we're having this battle here culturally. We have some people openly embracing lawlessness, true lawlessness, and at the same time trying to increase their power in other areas as well where they can control things like whether or not you wear a mask when you're going through a drive-up window or whatever it is. Right, I mean, we've we've got these almost diametrically opposed ideas that are being pushed simultaneously, almost mindlessly by some people. You come out and you you're a company, and you say that you you know you you praise the president, the left immediately, led by people that used to be running for president, by the way, in some cases, for the Democrat Party, they'll immediately come out and say, let's boycott this company for saying the president did anything right. I mean, it is nuttiness that where we are today, complete and utter lawlessness, complete and utter, uh, complete and utter disdain for good logic and reason and sense. So we want to deal with crime. We want to deal with violence. We want to get this place back, moving towards uh, healing and unity. We have to use logic and reason, and we have to – I'm just thinking about AOC's comments here. We have to take the blinders off. We have to take the ideological blinders off that says that whatever is happening in America has to be through the lens, in her case, of, of socialism. What's happening is is complete and utter disdain for law and order, and that is the first job of our government, not in a – heavy-handed sense, not in a totalitarian sense, but the government's in place to to protect us, to 
allow us to live to have a society whereby we can be free and 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 not have our lives liberties uh, property our sacred honor attack well part of that's <laughs> part of that's unavoidable if you're going to stand up for liberty today you're going to have your good name attacked and your your honor maligned but the point is is that we have to Accept this for what this is, and it's utter chaos and lawlessness. And simply saying that we need to return to law and order does not mean that we're a totalitarian state. It simply means that the government is exercising its fundamental role in ensuring that this stuff be stopped as best that it can and not ignored. And it's first identified for what it is, not as a bunch of people just unemployed, shoplifting some bread in New York City. They're emboldened. They're empowered in New York City and elsewhere around the country. Folks are emboldened and empowered to actually stand in you know, conflict, direct physical conflict with law enforcement because of these, these narratives, because of how far this has, been, this has been brought. It's no longer just about a particular case where say George Floyd, this is about a much deeper problem. And and part of this problem is that the radicals don't want there to be order. The radicals don't want there to be, uh, they they want to to use this to scare people into voting for America to head in the direction they want it to go. And it's funded by radicals like George uh, Soros in many instances. Anyway, I'm going to talk more about this, play this soundbite from AOC, but I've got to take a timeout here. Quick timeout. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. So as we watch this chaos and turmoil and tumult all around us, that's, by the way, it's driven ideologically. It's driven by a broken worldview. It's it's driven by a worldview that is morally bankrupt. And you could say a couple of worldviews because there's a kind of a convergence. There's the anarchist crowd, the Antifa crowd, and there's the radical leftist crowd. And sometimes they... You know, they they work together in weird ways, um, but they're also not exactly the same the same group of people in a sense, but they're radical. They're insane. They reject sense, they reject uh things that we've learned through through history, they reject things uh that, that point to the brilliance of our founders. And yes, I am only talking about those things. Uh, in our Constitution that our founders were right on. That includes a whole lot of things. It just does not include uh, the issue of, of uh, slavery and racism, which, of course, we've been through countless times on here. Uh, you've got to say that today because people take things out of out of context. But look, we have a culture, a society now that rejects, outright rejects principles that I was taught and more importantly than what I was taught, what is actually true, I was taught that the American principles, the foundational components of this nation uh, were good 
things like free speech, freedom of religion, all these these sorts of things in our constitution, things that have been embraced by our society, by Western civilization in general. Again, not that we're flawless and perfect, but my oh my, did the founders usher in an understanding of of the world, of human nature, of the nature of governments, and the best way to create a society this side of heaven. And so there's an attack on that. There's an assault on that from lots of different places. And one of those places is from folks like AOC. And I'm going to play a soundbite of her. This is, she's on a Zoom call of some sort. I don't know who she's talking to. I don't know what she's doing. I don't really care. She's talking a bunch of nonsense to the people who uh, embrace her broken and morally bankrupt ideology. But she is trying to explain to us. Now, keep in mind the underlying issue here. She's trying to explain to us why um, the uptick in violence is not related to any defunding efforts of police. She cannot have that. In fact, what she wants you to believe is that this is just uh, New York cutting a billion dollars, one billion with a B from its police force, is not really, uh, of course, who's AOC to talk to anyone about math, but she's going to tell you, that it's not really the, the true numbers. It's people, uh, the city is cooking the numbers so as to trick people into believing they're defunding the police when they're really not. And besides that, the defunding hasn't even taken effect yet, so this can't be blamed on defunding. That's what she's basically arguing here. In fact, she's giving her own reasons and rationale, which, of course, open up the door for her to promote um, or suggest other insane radical leftist policies and ideas, right? Other social welfare problems, which, of course, increase the burden on the individual, the taxpayer, the businesses in the state. Remember, AOC took great pride in shutting down Amazon from coming to her city. Now she wants to talk about unemployment, unemployment being the problem. And your first question is, well, what about Amazon? Because any of these people that don't have money to buy bread that you're telling us about here, AOC, could they have worked at Amazon? Could that have been something that could have been worked out there? Anyway, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear a little bit about what she has to say. I can only take so much of this. I can only take so much of this gibberish and nonsense before I just got to shut it down. But I want you to hear this really quickly before I take a break. AOC explaining why it is, why it is that uh, there's an uptick in violence from her deranged position in the city of New York. I think there's something about this uptick in crime. Let me make something super clear for everyone here having this question. Go for it. The New York City Police Department has Mm -hmm. not been defunded. Um, Even with these budgetary changes that were proposed in city council, Mm -hmm. A, they're not fully enacted. B, they aren't a real $1 billion in cuts. Um, and C, it's not really, it, like, these cuts aren't really real. And, again, they haven't even that happened yet. Literally have not even happened yet. So keep in mind that this uptick in crime that's mm-hmm. happening right now is with a $6 billion New York City Police Department budget. So our $6 billion, up to $11 billion, but our $6 billion budget has not prevented this uptick in crime. Um, okay, stop all that. 
So she's complaining, just to get this straight, and I got to take a break. But she's saying $6 billion doesn't prevent the uptick in crime. So I don't know, ergo, we should eliminate it, I guess. I don't know what she's saying. We should cut it. I guess that that's what makes sense in her mind. But yet, what is the first thing the left always tells us when the government promises something, promises to solve some some problem, and it never does, folks. The government just cannot do these things. We don't live in utopia. We don't live in a fairy tale. We don't live in a fantasy world. We live in reality, no matter even if we've convinced ourselves that we don't. Even if we've convinced ourselves that this utopian uh, fantasy world is existing, as AOC has and her followers, they've all been convinced of this stuff. Now, she may be, look, there's more going on there, and there's people that want uh, – there's, there's some people who take positions of power to promote these ideas, not because they really believe them, but rather because they want to be able to benefit politically from them. I'll leave that up to you whether AOC falls into that category or not. You can look into their, her campaign and how she even came about, came onto the political scene to begin with. But anyhow, that being said, that being said, they never tell us, they never once, if, if, there's, if the government fails at something that they've promised to deliver, some social utopian outcome, what's the first thing they say? Well, if you didn't give us enough money. What's the first thing they tell us about communism? The reason communism failed, I was told this in college, folks. Hear me out when I say this. The reason wasn't because the ideology was broken. No, no, no. The reason was because they didn't find their benevolent dictator. They didn't find the person who had exactly what you needed to have to run a communist nation, which is basically being um, perfect and flawless. That's what they believe. I'm just telling you. So the problem is never that the ideology is broken. The problem is that they didn't have enough money. They didn't have enough time. They didn't have enough control, power, authority. Same sort of things happening with, with COVID. I mean, you can wear, wear a mask. Think mask wearing is good. I don't want to get into all that. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Trump's at, at, at fault here. And I'm not saying that the administration did everything right by any stretch of the imagination. That's not my point. But I am saying that there's finger pointing and then the assumption that this could have been to some degree completely stopped or what have you. They don't know the slightest thing. They don't know what they're talking about half the time. They still don't. And this thing's been around, uh, well, here in the country at least since March and maybe several months earlier. But they still don't have an idea of what's going on here. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, close it down, but you can protest. Protesting's fine if it's for the right cause. The virus knows that these are social justice warriors in certain instances that will not infect these individuals, so it passes around. That's what this is the sort of nonsense that we have to believe to follow this line of thinking. Anyway, they never ever say this on anything else. The only thing that the left wants to cut is the military and police. That's really all that they want to cut. All their other utopian ideals, they're prepared to spend bazillions of dollars on incessantly with no results. And if there are no results, what do they blame? Not enough money. Not enough money. Got to tax people more. (sighs) Insane. But I will say it's good to hear a leftist finally understand that there are some things that the government can't do in spite of its promises. I just... 
kind of yeah, didn't expect to hear that from AOC. But I want to play a little bit more about her soundbite because she she talks a little bit more about the root causes and so forth. And I think this tells us a lot about what we're up against and what some Americans are beginning to embrace. Although the more light that we shine on this, I will say this, the more light that we shine on these true ideological uh, fundamental differences between conservatives, people that believe in the Constitution, and people who believe in fairy tales like AOC, the better it is. Although there's some who want to believe it so badly because it, I guess it, it gives them um, an excuse for whatever problems they have in their lives, they can point to someone else. It gives them a, uh, a way to, to blame the, the, the system or what have you, to not take responsibility, to not have to work or to be involved personally in improving situations. You can instead blame some uh, some government policy, and you've got people like AOC out there promising you that she can do even more for you if you just give up a little bit more of your money, your freedoms, your liberty. Got to take a time out. Come back and continue this conversation in just a minute. Sit tight. See you in here in just a minute. I want to pick up right here in the brilliance of AOC's thinking here, um, talking about, again, $6 billion has not, as she put it, prevented an uptick in crime in New York City. So I guess, um, I don't know if she's arguing for the complete abolition. Maybe, maybe this is the way that she does this, but... Um, this is again the first time I've ever seen, I've ever seen the government, uh, well, someone on the left anyway, actually think that results should be <laughs> something we do, we should expect from our government. By the way, it got me to thinking before the break or during the break. The war on poverty is now in its sixty sixth year. Lyndon Johnson's back in, back in 1964 declared an unconditional war on poverty in America. And as of 2014, so this is six years ago, we spent $22 trillion, $22 trillion with a T-R-I-L-L-I-O-N, trillion, $22 trillion. I didn't hear the left complaining about this. In fact, the, the poverty rate remained uh, basically flat within... Uh, within the first three years of the war on poverty, poverty rates were about 14.5%, and they've stayed there. They've stayed there since 1967, yet we've spent $22 trillion. But she's upset that there's there's an uptick in violence in New York City, which is, look, not good. I'm not say, suggesting there should be, but do you think it has anything to do with the lawlessness that's been embraced? Do you think it has anything to do with law enforcement being put on the complete defensive? Do you think it has anything to do with officers who are, I mean, you've seen reports, officers um, who are now, uh, you know, wanting to look into early retirements, um, officers who would not recommend that, you know, young people pursue a career in law enforcement. Anyway, let's listen to what other brilliance AOC has to add here. 
So our $6 billion, up to $11 billion, but our $6 billion budget has not prevented this uptick in crime. Um, we have funded more and more. We have shoved more and more and more money every single year into the NYPD, $6 billion. And it has not prevented this uptick in crime. So why, but let's back up. Why is this uptick in crime happening? Let's really think about it. Well, this uptick in crime, you know, the NYPD themselves have, um, have told a story that's disproven by their own data. Uh, at first, the NYPD, they, they went out and they said, okay, this uptick in crime is happening because of bail reform, because of all of these reforms that we had now. Wait, but they just released data a couple weeks ago that showed that out of almost all the people who have been found to have kind of committed crimes, et cetera, almost none have been re-released um, due to the bail reform. Like their actual crime data from the NYPD, not even independent data, disproves their, what, they're, what they're all saying. So why is this uptick in crime happening? Well, let's think about it. What? Do we think this has to do with the fact that there's record unemployment in the United States right now? The fact that people are at a level of economic desperation that we have not seen since the Great Recession? Maybe this has to do with the fact that people aren't paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent. And so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have money. So you maybe have to be, put in a about? position where they feel like they- What is she talking She, You're afraid to pay your rent. So you don't, you don't pay your rent. So you keep that money. So, but instead of spending that money on the things that you would spend it on, if you, you know, had money because you don't have a job, um, now you steal too. I mean, this is just, look, this is an attempt here to squeeze in her, um, you know, all her pro-socialist, uh, socialistic sort of ideas and, and so forth. And I'm not against tough questions for, for law enforcement of any anybody in government. We should have accountability. There should be tough questions. But this is just utter nonsense and gibberish. And it's ignoring the elephant in the room, which is the tension that exists now between more and more citizens of this nation and law enforcement. That's the root of this. And where does that come from? Where does that come from? It comes from the way that this has been exploited by the media, by leftist politicians, by people who benefit, actually benefit. It's sickening from tension and turmoil tumult and chaos in this nation and the the folks who are race baiters and all of this may i point out that every cop that was involved directly or indirectly with the george floyd situation is now facing charges now facing charges and this is um this lawlessness is the problem people being taught and trained and encouraged to ambush officers is the problem. An organization run by trained Marxists is the problem. It's not because people can't afford bread and they can't pay their rent, so they steal. I'm not saying that that never happens, but my goodness. I mean, and I also, by the way, I also, by the way, um, kind of, yeah, I don't want to say I'm offended. I don't get offended, but I'm bothered by this notion that 
people who are in desperate need turn to violent crime, right? I mean, they might steal bread, but they're not necessarily going to suddenly be violent criminals beating people up in the streets, putting cops in headlocks, AOC. Anyway, get to get time out here. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in, back in just a minute. Welcome back. But lawlessness, chaos, this is the problem right now in our nation. And culture is what drives this. Politicians exploit this, but culture, culture is what is what drives this. You know, I remember in college, I remember asking this question, you know, do we I asked my, my classmates, do you not say commit murder because it's in the books? It's against the law or do you not do it for some other reason, right? It's murder is wrong because we all know that it's morally wrong. I hesitate. I don't know if I should say all about anything anymore, but murder is wrong because it's it's it violates the natural law. It violates um, it's it's created as a law because we know that it's wrong and it infringes upon obviously someone else's life liberty, uh, life liberty and pursuit of happiness. But yet, we look at all the other sorts of laws that we've created, and there's a lot of laws that are just simply kind of process laws. You didn't know the rules right. And when you start getting to that point, <clears throat> when you start getting to that point, um, that's, when, that's when culture can be manipulated by, by politicians. But I think you know, we need a return, a return to the basic rule and role of government here where they're not trying to where they're doing the basic responsibilities and they're focused on doing them well and I'm not I'm of course saying that they should be able to do these things better but to ignore in the case of New York City to ignore the the pressures that have been put upon officers and not just in New York City by the way in other places the dangers that we've allowed them to be put in that the left has allowed them to be put in um, and act as though that that has no impact on anything, as though uh, the 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 hatred, you know, you have to stand firmly against all police right now or you're racist. As we act as though that has no impact. Of course it has an impact, and it's obvious what that, that impact can be unbelievably um, just a powerful impact. Anyway, got to take a break. Come back and wrap up hour number one. Sit tight. We'll do that in just a minute. Welcome back. That is about all the time we have here for hour number one, but do not worry. We will continue hour number two, which you can catch on YouTube. And I do hope later this week or next to uh, be streaming both hours on, on, on both platforms. So just got to test a couple things here that I've not been able to quite get my hands around here yet, but we will do that in the not too distant future. And of course, get... Um, it's streaming both hours on multiple platforms. But again, YouTube is where we'll be hour number two here in the next uh, five minutes or so. Just look up the Tot Huff Show on YouTube and we'll see you there. But guys, 
Appreciate it very much. And uh, we've got a look, we've got a cultural battle here that fuels our political battle. We've got to address the cultural battle first and foremost. Got more to talk about hour two. Sit tight. SDG, seeing a few.